Lithium has been outperforming other metals broadly recently. Why and what's behind the move? Well, welcome. I'm Jeremy Naylor. This is IG Trade in the Markets podcast. And we're speaking now to Charles Fitzroy, Chief Executive of Bradderhead Lithium, about the market and what Bradderhead is trying to do to help fill the long-term shortfall in the metal. Charlie, welcome. It's good to be able to catch up with you. Uh, first of all, what is lithium and, and why are we so concerned about it and why are we talking about it so much? Oh, Jerry, it's great to be here. Um, yes, yeah, so lithium is um, one of the lightest elements and it's found in a variety of different deposit types. Um, it, it is found world over, but it's, you know, it's finding that economic concentration of lithium, which is the key thing. And that's why everyone's getting very excited about it, because you know, there is a foreseeable uh, demand coming. And, it, you know, and that deficit from this demand outstripping the supply is what we're seeing on the horizon. And that's why companies like Brad Ahead are looking for deposits, especially in places like the US. You know, the US has very little production currently of lithium, very, only one mine currently. It's obviously some in development. But um, right now we're developing three types of lithium, so clays, brines, and pegmatites. And that's the three main types. So you get your generally, in, in general, historically, you've got pegmatite mining in Australia, wherever half the world's lithium comes from. And then you have brines in sort of South America. And then there's a big developing clay story in North America, US. But right now also you're seeing Pegatite's been developed in Canada, uh, also in the US, like our San Domingo Pegatite district, and then in Africa and places mm. like that. So it is a massive area of development, and people are trying to find these deposits of economic concentrations of lithium. Yeah. Um, more on Bradhead in just a minute, but how is lithium used? I mean, we, we hear a lot about it, and my understanding is that throughout our daily lives, we all come into contact with it somehow, unknowingly. Um, what is it used for? What's the end product produce or, or give us? Well, it's used for a variety of things. You know, it's been used for defense purposes, glass, ceramics. But in the last 10 years, the thing which is driving the price now is uh, batteries, uh, electric vehicles, phone batteries, storage solutions, all these things which the modern world is trying to go on with. It's electrification, trying to move away from combustion engines and towards clean energy. And that's what's really gro- driving this growth for lithium right now. Let, let's return to that point you made about the different forms of of lithium, the different ways you get out of the ground, and, and what happens. Do they all end up in the same big um, uh, supply chain, or do they do different things? Well, that is a nuanced question because yes, there's different types of lithium in the ground, and they go e- more easily towards different types of lithium. So generally, you have two lithium N chemicals. Uh, lithium carbonate and lithium hydroxide. Um, in general, um, the sp- pegmatite deposits, which you get spodumene from, so you, they'll be made into a, a spodumene concentrate, a 6% spodumene concentrate, then shipped on for processing. And that will be more easily processed to uh, lithium hydroxide. Um, the brines will be generally more easily processed to lithium carbonate. But again, you know that carbonate can then be converted into hydroxide for a fee between you know, $1,000 to $3,000 a tonne on top of it. So you're adding price there. Um, and then there's differing qualities of the lithium product, you know, depending on the um, elements in the actual mining mining ore. And then clays, again, clays are, are slightly in between. You can get to either a carbonate or a hydroxide, depending on your processing technology. And that is largely dependent upon the clay deposit and what's present in it, whether you have high magnesium or various other things like that. Um, but, but why is that important? Well, you know, we've seen uh, a massive swing in the lithium price in China. I have to note, because in the rest of the world, the lithium price declines have not been as dramatic. But again, China accounts for most of the world's lithium consumption and conversion. Um, so that lithium carbonate price in China has you know, jumped off 
quite dramatically from last year's massive highs of $80,000 a ton to now they've actually started rising the last few weeks. So we went down to about $21,000 a ton. Now we're up around $32,000 a ton for lithium carbonate. Um, but whilst hydroxide and spodumene has not dropped so dramatically, that's because China has uh, more of a demand for, for carbonate. So the first three months of this year, we saw quite a, a, a drop um, in demand purely because of the stockpile in China. Um, and also China uses um, more NFP and uh, NMC style batteries that require less, um, so require lithium carbonate over hydroxide. So I'll just, I'll just jump into that quickly, Jeremy, because that's another sure. nuance. So hydroxide um, is generally used for high nickel content batteries. So your NCM811. And the three numbers at the end stand for the different components. You've got nickel, cobalt, manganese in 811 proportions. And they also have NCA. Again, that's used lithium hydroxide. So, yeah, but your lithium carbonate will be used in your NCM 111, 523, and 622. So that is a higher cobalt content battery. And that's um, what the sort of Chinese market seems to have more of, whilst the Western world are more geared towards a higher nickel battery. Okay, so so what you've what you said there, you, it's a widespread of um, of opportunities within this sector for different sorts. What what's happening in terms of the broad demand and supply that's driving the the current price? As I said, a lot of metals recently have uh, been finding the going tough, but not so lithium. What is it at the sort of the economic side of this that's that's driving the price at the moment? Um. Well, we've had a, a huge jump in demand and EV growth, which is really it. And, you know, China's ahead of the game in their in their EV growth, but the rest of the world has been catching up. And again, that's part of the reason because, you know, we're taking some of the supply of the market. But um, from a sort of looking at it from a perspective of looking for the right deposits, you know, you're looking at your the brines and the pegmatites and obviously clays. Um, pegmatite producers seem to be the, the, uh, you know, the ones which everyone's after because it's been shown in, in other and we've had two now price spikes of lithium. And each time the pegmatite guys have been able to scale up more quickly. And you know, Brian's find it hard to scale up production. And, you know, what we're seeing is the sort of demand more for the hydroxide over over the um, carbonate in the rest of the world. That's something we're seeing more to, more sort of valuation put on pegmatite miners. If you look at a valuation matrix, you'll see pegmatite hard rock miners at one end and then Below it will be Brian's, and then below that you'll be the clay guys. And right now, I think it's a phenomenal time to look at you know, investing in the pegmatite miners because there's quite a few capital requirements from some of the guys in Australia. But in a couple of years' time, they're going to be churning off free cash flow. So it's a really interesting time to be looking at that from an investment point of view as well. Mm. Should we in the West be concerned about the big interest in this sector by China? I mean, you talk about China being dominant. Is it dominant to a point of where it could ultimately influence the entire market? Or indeed, is that happening at the moment uh, because of China's dominance? Well, you know, I, I think it's uh, China has doesn't it has the, uh, the conversion facilities, so it does need the raw product coming through it. Um, so, yes, whilst it contr- controls that currently, but it, you know, the majority of the deposits do not sit within China. China has been developing its own deposits of lipidolite, which, again, uh, it's, it's, high, it's higher cost to process than spodumene, but it's in, it's in the sort of hard rock category. It also has its clays and brines. But you know, China has that conversion sort of monopoly right now, but the rest of the world is developing that. And the rest of the world is developing lithium projects. I think you know the EU and the US is dramatically trying to um, decentralize that way from China so they can have their own lithium su- battery supply chain. I think the US is going to be really booming ahead. You know, for Tesla uh, last week just 
broke ground on its lithium spodumene conversion facility in Texas. Um, you know, Piedmont Lithium have one in Carolina, which they've got supply for. You know, they've got deals with, say, owner in Canada and Atlantic Lithium in Ghana. Um, so the U.S. is really pushing ahead. And, you know, every week we hear of new battery gigafactories popping up over the U.S. So these supply chains are being built out. And again, it's all about getting the supply. And then that's where Bradder comes into the picture. You know, we are developing projects in the U.S. for the U.S. market where you're going to have also the important point is, you know, if you're producing lithium, um, so producing a, you know, mining brine in South America or a pegmatite in Australia and it gets sent to China and then sent on, you're picking up a carbon footprint there. Um, which is unnecessary. If you're, you know, if you're mining it in the US, developing it in the US and processing the US for the US market, you're going to reduce that, especially if you you, know, you understand the, the energy mix that's going into that. For example, with the, with the you know, movement from Australia to China, it's quite often you know, um, powered by um, fossil fuels. And then in China, again, coal power to process it. So again, the carbon footprint will be dramatically lower if you're going to be doing it in a place where you understand the energy mix going to that processing. Yeah, let's 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 pick up now on what you're trying to do at Brother Head to try and, as I say, to try and uh, <laughs> fill some of the gaps in in the in the supply of of this, and and as we work out into the future. Um, what first of all, what is it that Brother Head is producing? Uh, hydroxides, carbonates, brines. What, what is it you specialize in, or will be specializing in when you start to produce? Well, I think it's good to have a, a mix because in different battery types re- require different lithium chemicals. So Brada has brines, clays, and pegmatites. Um, right now, we're really pushing ahead of our clay project in Arizona, and most importantly, is our pegmatite district in Arizona. And this is really what's getting us quite excited. Um, you know, the company listed back in 21. At that point, we were we had a resource of our clays, and we were just really developing the other projects. And now, we've just finished our last so our first drill program at our pegmatite district, which is a 23 square kilometer district in Arizona, which was mined back in the 40s and 50s. And back then, uh, the spodumene was used in the defense industry. And they were grade, I think, about 2.75%. So putting that into context, you know, around the world, most Australian resource, resources at the large mines there range from resource grades of 1 to 1. 1.4, 1. 1.6%. Um, so we've had some, you know, we've had, we have some historic drilling and mining at our, our sites. And we finished our first drill program earlier this year, which was really quite positive. And now we're moving on to our second program later this year. Um, the first program we had our, our best hole was 32 meters at 1.6% Li2O. So again, very, very promising and shallow, only about 25 meters from the surface. Um, so really exciting times at Brada with our pegmatite district. We've got a nine kilometer mineralized trend there which is is huge. And we've just had a, a note put out from our, our brokers, Pamela Gordon, which were recently appointed, saying that you know, they forecast assuming like 100 metre depth. And with the current um, signature we have, we have about 1,500 pegmatites showing a surface. And they're assuming a sort of very conservative estimate of those being mineralised. You could have you know, upwards of 8 million tonnes of LCE, um, assuming everything is bound from a sort of perspective. You know, actually, actually not, that's not true. It's all about 5% of that is, is mineralized. So really quite exciting and huge potential there. And then the basin project, we've got a huge exploration target of up to sort of 6 million tons of LC, which SRK have given us. So again, two projects, which are company builders, and we're pushing ahead with both of them. You know, basin we're drilling right now. Um, we'll be getting the results out as soon as we can to the market. Everything's looking very promising for resource expansion this year from basin due Q3. And then we'll be starting the second program at San Domingo, second half of this year. So again, we're chasing a resource at San Domingo, and then we're going to have our, our fourth resource expansion at Basin Out later this year, within the space mm. of um, not, not very many years at all. What what, what about um, the, the 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 level of entry? Is it high bar of entry, or is it easy to to start um, uh, and and getting this sort of exploration underway? I mean, do, does lithium occur 
at surface level or do you have to dig down deep? What's the what's the process that you're going to adopt in getting this stuff out of the ground? Well, I suppose that's where Brad had a bit of a head start because back in 2016, the company was founded and the assets were located. We've, we've expanded the the footprint of our claims, but you know we we were very much ahead of the game there, and that gave us a really strong holding, especially in Arizona and Nevada. Um, you know our clay deposits, most of the really good stuff is within the, the top 50, 60, 70 meters, so pretty shallow. And the pegmatites we're seeing pretty shallow at the moment, but the pegmatites we are chasing deeper structures, which will give us you know potential for real huge tons. So again, we are you know the deposits right now are relatively shallow, and that enables us to be mining at a you know quite a um, potentially a lower operation cost than maybe some of the deep, deeper deposits around the world. And of course, the <laughs> the slightly better political environment, I guess, as well. That's something else. Where, where does lithium occur generally around the world? I mean, you're in Nevada, Arizona, where you're hoping to to produce uh, the, the metal. Where does it naturally occur? What is it geologically that starts to deliver lithium as something we can use? Um, well, I suppose with the with the brines and the clays, um, you know, or especially with the brines, you know, lithium is found in seawater, mm. uh, but it's also found in in other things with, with our with our clay deposits. Um, generally, the concentrations occur due to um, volcanic events that causes the concentration of the lithium. We get it in a twofold. We can get it in, in it's deposited, or we can get um, secondary enrichment through hydrothermal or, or volcanic events altering that. And the pegmatites again. The pegmatites, um, you know, this normally a source rock is a source source granite, and that that causes um, the pegmatites to be in place. But with the pegmatites, the key thing is the distance from the source granite, because you get zones of different minerals present, and the pegmat and the and the lithium comes out at a certain distance, and that's the key thing. So, whilst you get a lot of pegmatites around the world, not all of them are mineralized, and it's finding the ones that are mineralized. And our pegmatite district appears to be in that sweet spot which is the perfect distance from the source granite. So we're very lucky there. Well, I say luck, we're not lucky at all. We, you know, we, we found the deposits back in 2016. We, we've circled the claims around existing known mining areas of spodumene. And again, one last thing, sorry, Jeremy. Um, both our districts, you know, our, our clay district in Arizona and our pegmatite district, both have existing mines or, or historically active mines on them, which means they're not greenfield sites, which again is a big, big plus for us. Mm. Um, just, just to just to wrap it up, uh, we've spoken about um, well, what lithium is and and how we use it, and this demand and supply imbalance, which is producing this this beneficial price at the moment. Do you see that changing at all as we look out from this point? I mean, we haven't spoken yet about when you're going to start producing and and and, and what you see in terms of the uh, overall production. Maybe that for another another time. But uh, at some point, obviously, you're aiming to add to the supply of lithium when do you see the demand and supply beginning to to sort of um, even out or do you think there will always be this imbalance because of the increased demand that's likely to come through because we're all beginning to become more electrified in our lives yeah well it's a very good question and there's definitely differing opinions out there from the analysts um because you know this new demand profile for lithium is something which people are going their heads around and understanding more and more. Um, you know, it looks like we're going to have deficits for some time. We might have a time in the next three, four, five years where we have, where, where sort of the de- demand supply is matched. But again, you know, we, we're seeing the demand of electric vehicles increase dramatically. So uh, my understanding and my opinion is that we're going to be you know, undersupplied because projects, whilst there's lots of projects in development, you know, we know pegmatites, it's not all pegmatites are mineralized. 
not at all mineralized and, and and whilst you can get a mineralized pegmatite sometimes it's not at that thickness required and then brines brines are hard to scale up um and the clay developments now you know that that is something which people are still working out i think the clays will work out the long term but again these things are unknown so a lot of these supply and demand models are assuming all these projects will you know come to fruition and in in the way which you predict it so i think there's going to be a undersupply in the market for some time and it's very it's very hard to answer the question though jeremy it's very mm. hard to say yeah um when that's going to when that sort of balance is going to come but it looks like not for some time how long is a piece of string good question no, <laughs> yeah. charlie yeah charlie we'll leave it there but thanks indeed uh, for joining us it's a pleasure thanks very much for that's Charles Fitzroy, he's chief executive of Bradderhead Lithium, about the market and what Bradderhead is trying to do to help fill the long-term shortfall in the metal.